At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to the Habitat Podcast, the podcast for becoming better habitat managers. I'm your host, Jared Van Heese. It is early December. Thank you so much for tuning in today, guys. We are back with a game plan episode, and none other than yours truly is finally able to record a game plan. I am uh, I am just... Still on cloud nine. I shot a nice 10-point buck, um, I guess maybe 11-point buck, uh, well, four days ago, and we are recording finally. I have co-host Brian on the line, also Al from episode number four is on the line as well. Al almost connects with a nice buck the same time I shot mine a couple states away. So we're going to get right into that, the game plan episode, guys. Thanks again for listening. Um, we're going to cover the hunt that I had. We're going to cover Al's hunt. We're going to cover late season strategies, what you guys could or maybe should be doing this coming weekend uh, with the cold weather setting in and uh, as your season gets off into those cooler, cooler temperatures and low-pressure situations now that they've been hunted for so long. So I want to thank our, our sponsors. Uh, we kind of go into more detail with them on the outro for this episode, but Lincoln Roan at the Packer Max line of Colta Packers. He has four different Packers to choose from. You want a three-point hitch Packer for your tractor, that's fine. Or you want one for the ATV, he has that one as well. That's the one I currently use, and it's awesome. Um, can't wait to get that done and ready for the spring. Uh, been talking to Nick at Killer Food Plots on what type of seed Brian and I will be putting in the ground this year. Nick has a great variety, but the quality is where it's at with Nick. If you look at the seed label on his pouches, on his bags, you will see the high-quality seed and that you're getting no BS uh, with your seed. So make sure you look at the seed labels, guys. You'll see the difference. Uh, lastly, Nick Nation at the Habitat Hook. I don't know if you guys saw the Facebook post, but he had a truckload full of 
habitat hooks he's shipping out this week. So guys are grabbing those for Christmas. This is a great gift. And hinge cutting season is right around the corner. Uh, for us here in Michigan, there's some people already doing it. I'm going to wait till deer season is officially over. But it is time to go, and Nick has them in stock. Check out Nick at nationscreations.net. All right, guys, let's get right into it. Game plan episode, my buck, Al's hunt, excited, Illinois, 11 point. Let's go. All right, guys, we're back. We have my co-host, Brian, on the line. You there, Brian? I'm here, Jared. All right, buddy. And from episode number four, you there, Al? I'm here. I'm here. Welcome back, buddy. Thanks. Thanks for having me back. No problem. We figured we'd, uh, you know, dust off the old phone for you over there and see what you've been up to. Yeah, well, uh, other than working like a madman, I've been hunting uh, like a madman um, over Thanksgiving holiday and into Ohio's gun season, which is similar to Pennsylvania, um, always is the first Monday after Thanksgiving. Okay. Uh, it's been that way for a long time. And uh, went down and <clears throat> hunted southern Ohio with the family, which is something we've done well before ever owning property. I mean, we hunted a lot of public ground and stuff. And uh, hunted, gosh, I think I hunted six days in a row. Um during gun season, and I had bow hunted uh, quite a bit on, I think I bow hunted Thanksgiving morning, so uh, bow hunted quite a bit, and bow hunted the Sunday before gun season, so um, been hunting like crazy, and had a lot of good encounters, and I've just been enjoying the uh, the property, and some other properties uh, that I have permission to hunt on as well. Very nice, very nice, and you and I were, uh, and Brian, we're all texting uh, the night I shot my buck, actually, about while I shot my buck, I think you had quite the encounter that night too, did you not? I did, I did. I, uh, I can, I can kind of recap that for you if you'd like. Yeah, let's do it. So, so yeah, I, I kind of wanted to change it up. I've actually been running cameras on uh, this piece of the this this property I had permission to hunt in northern Ohio, and I know we've talked about this in the past, right, is like cameras tell, I always say a third of the story, um, but it might be, you know, might be less than that even, but uh, long story short, I, I really had not put much faith into this spot, um, I, I just had not had any shooters on camera, I had one that um, ended up getting killed, I, the day I shot that doe, I brought it to a processor, because I was leaving the next day for for work a work trip and here I went to the process and the, one of the the only deer that I had been uh, thinking about shooting was hanging up uh, inside that processor and I'm like oh, oh. that's that's great so uh, <laughs> started asking started asking a lot of questions going up trying to read the tag if I knew a guy's name and stuff but uh, anyhow I uh, I kind of lost a little bit of faith in in the spot overall and it just had a lot of deer on camera but almost all year and a half old. I mean, I didn't even really have any deer that I would be considering to be like a two and a half year old buck or, you know, a deer that I was even like, oh, that would get my heart pumping. Um, other than one deer that showed about two weeks ago and it was almost all nocturnal um, movement, like 2 a.m. I think it was. Nonetheless, I uh, had some free time. Um, I guess that would have been that Sunday, last Sunday. 
Um, it kind of gets set up, and it's basically an oak flat uh, that butts up next to, I don't know, 30 acres of, I call it CRP, but it's not really CRP. It's just a field that nobody's taken care of. It's just grown up. It's just really good natural bedding. I mean, the trails in there are incredible. There's some young oaks that are now like 15 you know, feet tall. So you can kind of picture just a field that's just been let fallow for, for 10 or 15 years and what would grow up. You know, you got some invasives and stuff like that as well. But overall, it's just really good bedding cover for these deer. So I'm always expecting to see deer um, in that spot, but I just hadn't been seeing any big deer. But I decided to hunt anyways and I don't know, it was like three o'clock in the afternoon and I saw my first deer and I'm like, wow, this is gonna be a good might be a good sit and gosh, I don't think it was I don't think it was thirty minutes later and I look up and I about four hundred yards across this field I see um light hitting something. And I'm like, Are my eyes playing tricks on me or is that the, the light from the sun? Uh, sunlight hitting off a deer's antlers. <laughs> I'm like, you know what I mean? Like when you're thinking, because like if I saw oh, yeah. how many times I'm like, oh, that's a big deer. And I'm like, oh, no, that's a tree branch oh, sticking yeah. up from stump. <laughs> <laughs> like it happens to me driving down the road. Um, but uh, anyhow, so I'm like, I, maybe I'm just seeing things or whatever. So I pull up my bios and uh, I don't know, I have – like an older pair of binoculars, I think I need to upgrade because I swear I have the hardest time finding what the hell I'm seeing with my naked eye through the binoculars. So after like 10 minutes of finally getting him into focus and figuring out where I was at, I'm like, oh, no, that is a buck. And uh, there was actually two two bucks over there um, way across this field, and I believe that they were bedded down, and that's why I could only see the tips of his antlers, and they ended up standing up and kind of milling around a little bit and I, it was pretty far away but I thought what the heck I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a grunt out and uh and see what happens um so I threw three or four grunts out and then I just put my grunt tube away and and just said all right we'll see how the evening un- unfolds um about another 20-30 minutes goes by and here's some deer start working across that field I'm like oh those are all does all does and uh Sure enough, ends up that this uh, this dose comes comes by me right down this trail, like I was uh, planting the deer wood, and uh, I look up and I see see rack at about 60 yards. I'm like, oh, that looks like a pretty good deer, and uh, it was that deer I had seen from way across the field, and he was kind of checking on on some of the does, um, just was kind of keeping downwind of them, um, and just was really slowly moving. Um, through through that uh, CRP is what I'm going to continue to reference it as. Um, but uh, he wasn't, like, really decisive on where he wanted to go or what he wanted to get into. Um, and I was just sitting there, honestly, at that point, um, I had snapped a picture or two, but I was still trying to size up that deer to decide if that's even a deer I wanted to harvest. Um, you know, as things kind of un- unravel quickly or don't want to shoot a deer that is young. Um, so... Or at least I don't, you know, at this point in my hunting career. So I was trying to evaluate that deer, and uh, he turned uh, to walk out of my life. Um, and what I ended up, ended up doing is I grabbed that grunt tube again, and, and I grunted, and, and he stopped, and he turned around, and he started coming closer um, for a second time. And then he stopped again and stood there for 
oh my gosh, I think like another 30 minutes. So I've been watching this here now for like an hour and a half. Oh, and wow. Yeah, it was a long encounter. Um, and now I'm thinking, all right, well, I got about 40 minutes of, of legal light left. And the doe kind of scooted away. She's an old doe. I think I've actually seen her before. I probably need to shoot her because she's always like weary um, of the, and the stand is way, I mean, it's 27 feet up um, in a triple uh, maple. So, I mean, it's, it's like a really sweet set, but uh, this doe is just like always um, seems like she's kind of looking up at that stand. So she probably busted me or my cousin or something at one point. Um, so she kind of acted a little bit skittish. And I think that might have made that deer go on a little bit on edge. And uh, like I said, he kind of turned and started walking away. So I had grunted him. And then he stood there for about an hour or 30 minutes, I'm sorry, um, after that. And what was really interesting is all of a sudden here comes, like, another young buck. So now his focus is on this other young buck. And then that other deer that I had seen earlier, it was another pretty nice deer that was with him, was coming up from behind him in the field. I'd have killed that deer too, probably. Um, and he was pretty nice buck. And uh, they all were kind of together. And that big deer, for whatever reason, he just turned. And I had one young deer, young buck, go right past me at uh, 12, 12 steps, right down the trail I want him to. So now I'm like, all right, I've had two does do that. This young buck, and I got this big buck. Um, tied up at 60 yards. I'm thinking, he's got to come. And he turns around again. So this is like the third time, second or third time he's done this. And he just starts walking the same way he came from. And I'm like, I got to try to get aggressive. You know, he was downwind of does. I could tell when he saw some of these other bucks, he wasn't overly thrilled with them being in the area. It's not like total pre-rut where they're ready to fight everything. But I could just tell he was definitely showing some dominance kind of puffing up his chest a little bit type of thing. Interesting. So I'm like, I'm just going to – yeah, yeah, I thought so. I mean, for this time of year, right. you know, I'm thinking – all, all, all I'm kept thinking is, you know, maybe one of these doe fawns in the area had hit that 65, 70-pound weight limit and she busted into estrus and that deer is looking for, um, you know, looking for that doe that either had gone through there earlier or, you know, he could smell her, maybe wants to fight one of these younger bucks off that he thinks is with that doe or whatnot. Um, but like I said, he wasn't dogging, but he definitely was showing, you know, some, some, you know, what you expect a big buck to do, right? Show some dominance. So yeah, he turned and started walking away and I grunted. So I get, this would be the third time I grunted at him. Um, I got that messenger grunt call. I don't know if you've ever seen that from, uh, Dr. Grant Woods. I, he partners with a guy. I think they were like hand handmade out of Missouri, but it's like a real oh, no. soft. It's a real soft grunt. It's not like a like the whole idea behind it is like not to be like brap, you know, like sound like you know a huge monster bug. It's to be more of like a vocalized, typical grunt that you would see in most high pressure hunting situations. Not you know on a thousand acre farm in Iowa. Yeah, I think um, Brian. I think we've talked about that in the past. Yeah, for sure. So I've, I've enjoyed, I mean, I don't call a ton. Um, I've actually really only call if I see deer typically, um, just because I'm paranoid as it is. But uh, with that deer, I, I, I could see him, so I called at that call. Um, and he did seem like the third time. He just wasn't interested. I could see his ears uh, perk up a little bit. 
but uh, he wasn't overly interested in uh, in turning around. So I thought, you know what? What the hell? It's it's a Sunday night. Um, it's the biggest deer I've seen this year for sure. Um, definitely a deer I would be happy to shoot. Uh, at that point, I had made up my mind on that. So I decided to snort wheeze at him, and I just tossed my my hand over uh, my mouth and just snort wheeze at him. And I tried to throw it the other direction um, from from where I didn't want to aim it like right at him. So I tried to like throw it over my shoulder, so it sounded like it was coming up out of this out of this bottom. Uh, that runs along this creek bank and stuff, and I did that, and sure enough, that deer turned around on a dime, um, and he started coming, and it just so happened that right after I did that, a young buck from where I kind of threw the call at came charging out to the bottom at that big deer as well, um, so it was kind of like the perfect storm. I'm like, wow, he probably thinks that that young buck just snort wheezed at him, you know, uh, so it was really, really exciting. Uh, he ended up coming in about, I think I had him at 20 yards. Um, he was behind a pin oak and that young deer I just told you about that came up out of the bottom to kind of meet him, uh, turned. So they were facing each other. So that young deer turned right and walked right down my, my shooting lane, um, trail. I mean, at 10 yards. So that was like the fourth deer of the night he took that trail and that big deer stood there at 20 yards, and he could have turned left or right. Um, left would have taken him right down that trail that all the other deer that night had done. And for whatever reason, he never spooked, never anything. He turned right, and he just slowly walked out uh, of my of my life for, for the evening. And wow. um, so really exciting. I, I decided to not call again. Um, I did have a younger – Younger buck was probably 115, 120-inch um, eight-point, and he had he was still within 15, 20 yards of my stand after he passed through my shooting lane. So I decided, instead of trying to alert more deer and try to call that deer one more time, try to turn him around, um, I definitely felt like I was going to get busted. So it's like, you know what, I'm just going to wait for another good wind and try to get back in there and kill that deer. Um, but really, really, really exciting. Um, it's very, very exciting hunt. Wow, man. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, I think you made the right move by not calling again. Um, but those those big bucks just have a, a sixth sense or something to for him to go right and not left with every other deer. But yeah, crazy. I mean, isn't that isn't that wild? Like if he would have went left, I mean, just a few more steps, even I, I could have squeeze an arrow and really the way the stand is set up i was where that deer was i don't i hadn't it's pretty thick to be to be honest like even even once you enter the the woods it's like a lot of young trees and things like that okay um so it's it's, it's pretty thick and i i had a spot picked out because i'm like if he takes one more step past that pin oak i'm shooting him right there like i hadn't really trimmed a lane but i'm like i could squeeze an arrow through there like i'm gonna shoot him right there and uh he just he just kind of hugged it it was like he knew where i was but i mean he never looked at me one time um you know never picked his head up i the wind wasn't perfect but i i never got the sense that he he winded me or anything like that i, I really think it was just a matter of he turned right um and, and went on back this this other way so Feeling pretty confident. Uh, I got some time off in between uh, the Christmas and, and New Year's holiday, 
that uh, if I get a, a decent win, I think I can go in there and at least have another encounter with him. Um, so I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident about it. That's awesome, man. Um, I'll be down right after Christmas, if that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's pretty cool. It's, it's, I mean, it's hilarious that you had this awesome night, the same night I did, uh, a, you know, a couple states over. But um, thanks for thanks for sharing that. I'm sure we'll bring some questions into that here in a few. Um, yeah, absolutely. And and Brian, what have you been doing? You've been you've been hunting deer. You've been hunting bush lights, or what? Well, I had uh, a chance to get out for the opener in Ohio uh, for the rifle, uh, for the gun season, like Al did. Uh, pretty rainy opening day. I stayed for the next day, which uh, turned into snow that night. Pretty slow. I uh, saw a few does over those two days, but uh, none of the mature bucks coming to the food sources that I expected. So uh, we got another crack coming up. Um, this weekend, there's, there's a two-day second gun season, and then uh, we get a muzzle. Get we get yeah, and then we get a muzzleloader chance in uh, January for uh, a couple days. But the archery season's still in. That stays in until uh, beginning of February. So yeah, like Al, I've got some time off coming up here with the holidays and uh, into the new year. So I'll definitely be trying to get set up on my standing corn and beans, and uh, maybe those deer at my place may have discovered what brassicas are finally after five years. <laughs> oh, man. Have they not been touching them for five years? No. No, wow. they just don't seem to like them. I, I'll go up there in March and have uh, truckloads of turnips. I should probably dig them up and sell them. <laughs> yeah. That is incredible, really. I mean, that's incredible to me. Um just because how that can, you know, differ from one region to the next. And I have, um, I, I think I shared with you guys on, on some text messages, but I have some plots uh, that I put into brassica mix uh, at the Southern Ohio property. And, I mean, the deer ate it before October. Yeah. I <laughs> ate down to the ground. I'm like, oh, right. they're supposed to wait for a frost. And they didn't even wait for a frost. But, uh, again, what kind of, uh, do you have a lot of corn and bean farming that goes on around you? Because I think no. that might be why I yeah, have the issue with it up there. That. There's, there's no ag around. Um, you know, so, so basically you have, you know, in that area, you have mostly um, the, the best browse in a field is going to be like an alfalfa hay mix that somebody put in for right. cows. So I think that probably does play a bit, but quite a big role um, in their, their desire to eat brass because they're yeah, it's funny because my old farm down in Guernsey County, which is further down there where your place is at, I had very good success with brassicas. And the same thing, there was a lot of cattle operations around me, not much uh, grain operations. So there could be something to that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, my brassicas here in Michigan, they tore those things up. Um not right away last year in terms of the tops, the toppers, but this year, those were, they were hitting those, yeah, early October as well. Um, and we're, we are kind of close to standing corn and beans, but uh, it's pretty interesting, Brian, they haven't touched yours yet. Yeah, hopefully uh, we'll get it figured out, but, you know, they're spoiled like we always talk about. 
when we're in, uh, it's kind of funny for the listeners, um, Jared, Al, and myself, we have a daily group text that we spend probably too much time on having a good time <laughs> and talking beer. So this is just a continuation of the fun that we have. And uh, we're always t- telling each other about all this stuff. Yeah, we were making fun of Brian a couple minutes ago because he's hanging pretty bad from, uh, it was a, what, a work party you had last night? Yeah, work Christmas dinner. Oh, yeah. into a beer with dinner and two beers with dinner and, you yeah. know, yeah. one thing leads to the other. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep, never done that before. So I'm, drink, I'm, drinking, I'm drinking water and these two guys are drinking bush lights. <laughs> I'm still I'm still celebrating from this weekend. Yeah, you've got that excuse for six months, Jared. Heck yeah. <laughs> so tell us about that. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd love to. I've been, uh, honestly, guys, I've been waiting. Well, when we do the first game plan, like, like the second or third with, uh, with Jake, I've been waiting to do this episode for, well, it's been about two and a half months now. Um, never thought I would, to be honest with you. I was getting kind of, kind of bummed, just, you know, things slowed down and, and, uh, here in Michigan and, and just, you know, I, but I was also looking forward to this trip to, to Illinois. I was taking a buddy of mine, older buddy of mine. He, uh, he doesn't bow hunt. So we decided to do a, a muzzleloader hunt, um, at this place called Timberland Outfitters in Illinois. That I was recommended through a friend of mine, and it was a fairly inexpensive hunt compared to like the rut hunts and whatnot. But we figured late season, Illinois, you know, corn and beans. Let's let's give it a shot. Um, so you know, we're we're leading up to this. We're shooting the muzzle loaders two three times, getting them dialed in. Um, Getting the truck head down there on Thursday, which was the 6th, I believe. And the season opened on Friday the 7th, and it went for, for three days, 7, 8, 9. So in Illinois, they have uh, 10 total days of gun season, they call it, including muzzleloader. And this was the final three days. Uh, you guys may have to correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I think that's how it works. So, so you could use any weapon... No, I think this is strictly muzzleloader, but I think, like, the, the the middle season, which is a four-day season, and they have an early season, which is three days, I think those you can use either or, or at least the, the middle one you can use either or. But the the last one, um, yeah, we weren't allowed to use shotguns or, or straight-wall pistol cartridges on this one. It was strictly uh, muzzleloader, as far as I know. Um, okay. If not, I might have brought a different gun. But I uh, right, I was shooting mine and feeling pretty good, and my buddy was shooting his, and he was feeling okay. He's never been on a muzzleloader hunt either, so he's done lots of different things um, out west and Africa and things like that, but never, never a muzzleloader deer hunt. So we were both kind of wondering, you know, how, how's this going to be? I've never been on a guided hunt before, and he's never done a muzzleloader, and it's exciting, right? So. We get down there on Thursday, um, shoot our guns, you know, kind of just hanging out in the lodge, waiting for some people to show up, and and a beautiful place, beautiful lodge, and we get in the truck and, and go glassing, and, and and I'm asking, you know, what, 
type of bucks you shoot. They have a 140 inch minimum normally, um, or any eight point you see. He said, "Well, you know, we'll shoot any size eight points. We want eight points out of here," uh, which I thought was kind of surprising. So. You know, me, I'm like, all right, well, nice eight point. No problem with that. Uh, <laughs> so, but then he said, he goes, uh, if you guys see any respectable buck this weekend, I want you to shoot it. And we're like, really? Why? And we've been having a, a tough year that that cold weather early flipped the rut kind of sideways for them. And and they've killed um, maybe two-thirds the amount of bucks they normally kill in a season. So he was just like, you know what, you see respectable deer and you want to shoot it, feel free. No rules this weekend. I'm thinking, oh, man, this is, uh, you know, you put a Michigan boy in Illinois with a muzzle loader, something's going to die. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so anyways, hopes are high, right? So we're excited. Um, we get up Friday morning, like 4 a.m. Everybody gets up at 4 a.m. there so early. And... Uh, Get coffee, get all dressed, and it's cold. I mean, it was like, I think my phone said 12 or 15. It's like the truck says like 9. Um, didn't matter. We're fired up. We get all these layers on. Get out there. Beautiful morning. I'm sitting in the creek bottom in a tree stand. Uh, hunting the timber in the mornings, fields in the afternoons. And, and my buddy's in like the next draw over. Same kind of setup. But we don't see a deer that morning. And we're like, okay, well, it is what it is. Maybe, you know, this morning was slow, it's cold, but maybe they're already back to bed or something, whatever. Go back to camp, get ready, for or make lunch, blah, 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 all that stuff. Go back out in the evening. Uh, my friend goes on a big, big cornfield, and I go to a different farm with another extremely large cornfield, and we both see tons of deer. Um... He saw four bucks, two really nice ones that came out about 400 yards away, so he wasn't able to make a shot. And then um, he saw, you know, 30, 35 does and small bucks and whatnot. I saw 10 or 15 does, a little buck, and then I had um, an eight-point come by seven minutes after shooting time. I think I was texting you guys about that one. And I uh, got my binos on him, and he looked like a decent deer, you know, nice frame, but he had a real skinny body. Um, either way, it didn't matter. It was it was after hours, so he got the pass on that. Uh, so we're feeling pretty good now, right? Friday is done, first first days in the books, and seen a ton of deer. Gary saw some nice bucks. You know, time to go eat dinner, have a couple cold pops, and get ready for the next day. Um. Same story Saturday morning, except it's colder and windier now. Sitting in tree stands, uh, on the edge of timber or in timber, 9 degrees maybe. I think the truck might have started like 7 that morning, and just nothing. No That's deer. Cold. And, huh. I mean, I'm, my hopes are still fairly high. You know, we had a good night last night. I'm thinking, okay, mornings are, are a waste of time, but... Guys, I'm gonna set out here anyways. We're here, and then the evenings are are where it's at. So just you know, bear with it, and maybe something will walk by in the morning, maybe not. But just you know, hang in there, and and uh, I passed a a nice coyote that morning, which I probably shouldn't have. Um, that would have been cool, 
but I let him meander on, and then uh, same story, lunch, etc. And so Saturday night, Gary is on the same field he was before, but he moves right over to where those two bucks came out. He's he's making a move on these two, two big boys. Smart. Yeah, and you know, kind of just like set him up with some brush on the side of the field where they walked out. I mean, the field is like a hundred acre field, so wow. it's no wonder he saw so many deer. Um, they're coming out little pockets everywhere, you know. So he's he's set up over there, but it was very limited to what he could see from that position, and he only saw like a doe that night. Um. The rest of the deer were probably in the field. Elsewhere, he just couldn't see them. And then I had moved over to the next field over, so there's a draw in between in between us. And let me pause for a minute. This this property, like a lot of Illinois or Iowa or Nebraska, is like uh, it's all crop fields, and then there's the wooded draws that you know were are what like drainages probably. Um, where the water all drain through and they can't farm that area. So they all drop down into the timber, you know, into like a creek bottom, right? You guys know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. absolutely. Yep. And so, like, I'm across a draw on a, on the next field, which is cut beans, and Gary's across that big draw where they bed, and he's on, on cut corn. Um, I had I had seen, I think, like, 10 or 15 does that night and one small buck. Uh, they were, I mean, you're talking like 10 yards away from me. I'm sitting on the ground, and these deer have no idea I'm there. Worked out perfect, just not any shooter bucks that I'm looking for. Um, I mean, just every deer in Michigan would have looked straight at me where I was sitting. And, and these deer, you know, were just... Wanting the food, it was cold, and kind of their focus was on that. So it was pretty cool. Um, pretty nice to be able to hunt some deer like that. And uh, so we wrapped that up. The the guy would drive in and, and bump the deer off the field to pick us up so it wouldn't walk out and spook them all. Um, and that morning, actually, one of the other guys in camp shot a really big eight-point. Um, and, Al, to your point earlier, a doe fawn had came by him first and then when the doe fawn came back by a half hour later had a big old buck on her trail and she was zigzagging through the timber and he was right on her butt the whole thing so we may have to cover that before we wrap this up about maybe a second cycle or or something like that 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 you saw and that he saw both within a day of each other so that's pretty interesting um but anywho so sunday morning um Gary saw nothing, and it's like, it's, I mean, it was freezing Sunday morning. It, I mean, it was cold. The wind died, but it was miserable. I think I had seven layers on, if you count, <laughs> if you don't count my orange vest, wow. that would have been eight. Um, and I, I mean, you're just freezing. And you're sitting there, and, and I saw that morning, actually saw a buck that had shed his antlers already. He was... Eating out in the beans as the as daylight broke, you see his tarsal glands, the whole thing. And oh. then I, uh, I saw a doe that snuck behind me, and then I saw a small eight point, so maybe like a hundred, hundred inch eight point. Um, I got up on him, and it just you know it just wasn't wasn't what I was looking for. 
and uh, you know he got the pass, and he went down back into the, the timber draw with the rest of them, and I figured, okay, well, I'm going to set up and watch where all these fingers of woods, where all these draws enter this field I'm sitting on. If I move across the field, I'll be able to see this draw, this draw, and this draw, kind of like three fingers that come out into this bean field. So we pretty much just went back, got some lunch, and got right back out there. Um, it was a beautiful day out. It was starting to warm up. It actually got above 32 for the first time Sunday afternoon. So that was nice. And we got out there early about 1 p.m. I built a little ground blind. Oh, Jerry, these, um, yes. these uh, fields you're talking about, the bean fields and the corn fields, these are cut fields, right? They're not standing corn and beans. Correct. So I thought we'd be on some some standing stuff, and uh, right. And he has a, an issue getting the farmers to leave anything. Um, so when you when you get there, you know where's the standing crops? This is weird. Uh, but you look, and these deer they come out and they sit there for twenty minutes munching on something. And then you know if you look close enough, there's little bits of, of bean pods lying there and. And maybe there's some green undergrowth starting to come up under the beans. Not sure what that was. And then this one cornfield I hunted, that guy's combine must have been broke because he left a ton of money laying in the field with the corn. I mean, every other cob was full walking through that cornfield. So, mm. Wow. I mean, they have no – and at that point, I guess they don't need standing stuff for that cornfield, but – for the beans, I mean, think about sure. what an acre of standing beans would have done. I mean, I think it would have been a good no, thing. No. And the guide was like, yeah, they're they're great when we have snow. Like, right now they're pawing on the ground. We don't have snow, really. They're just pawing on the ground. Um, when we have a bunch huh. of snow, they'll be hitting the standing beans more. I thought, okay, sure. So, yeah, it was all, it was all cut. It was all um, very short, and you could... You see them step out of the woods, you know, like night and day. Um, and so I was sitting across, which would have been the north side of the field. It's a very narrow field, about 100 yards across, and it goes way back into the timber. And I built a little ground blind out of some dead sticks. I found some, some logs with some branches on them, and, you know, I'm a Michigan boy. It's what we do up here. We sit in the dirt and we throw sticks on top of us and we hide. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I don't know. It seemed like a good idea at the time. And I'll tell you how that bite me, that bit me in the ass here later. But, um, so I'm sitting there and just, you know, shooting the crap with you guys on the phone, texting my buddy Gary. We're excited. And we had, uh, a deer, let's see, two or three deer come out way down from me, headed towards Gary. I texted him, you know, three doe coming your way, and the sun's just shining. I mean, it's beautiful out. There's no wind. It's just a gorgeous day. And, and I look up, and those three deer kind of moving across. And, and they were about 200 yards down down to my to my left, which would have been my east. And Ben, the the guy there, Ben says, if you get a shot at a buck and he's 200 yards away, make sure you shoot. Don't wait for him to get to 100. Don't wait for him to get to 50. All it takes is one doe to get spooky and your, you know, your buck's gone. 
So, you know, we're we're kind of getting into into uh, late season, and it's tough hunting, and if you get a chance, make sure you take it. Preparation mode. Yeah, I mean, he's thinking just, you know, if it's going to happen, make it happen. Don't don't sit there and and uh, think that it's going to get better and then, you know, miss your chance. We got that kind of, you know, weighing on me, and I'm looking down there 200 yards. Okay, if a buck steps out, got to be ready, and well, it never did. No, that would have been a long poke, but never did. And um, then I look up, and back in front of me now, like 12 o'clock, this doe steps out, about 125 yards. So I get my camera, my camera gear. Um, I have that in a tripod next to me to my right. So I kind of reach up to my right, right about eye level, flip my camera on, and kind of focus on that doe a little bit. And then when I look back at the doe again from the camera, there's a buck stand there stepped out of the woods. And it's this buck. And I thought, no way, is that a buck? And I get my my glass on it and my binos, and sure enough, I go, oh, man, I'm shooting that buck. You know, it was it was just no question in my mind that. Nice. Yeah, I mean, it was, I think what I first noticed about him was, like, the, the bladed G2s. Just showed showed some mass and some character from 125 yards away, like night and day. I was like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna try really hard right now to get this deer. So I, I get my camera, I put it on the buck. Okay, he's just chilling. The doe's chilling. Everything's good. I get my gun. I'm on him. He's kind of quartering to me on top of this ridge where he came out on. And I'm looking at him like, all right, I can take that shot, but let's just wait for him to turn broadside. And I, uh, I'm like, all right, you know, I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna shoot him right here. I'm gonna, I gotta take the shot. Ben said, you just, just get it done, make it happen. So I'm like, all right, I can do this. You know, 50 cal is gonna blow right through that shoulder. We'll be fine. Well, I'm about to, I pull the hammer back, I'm about to squeeze the trigger, and I look, and my barrel is sticking straight into the trunk of that tree branch that I laid down in front of me. Oh, boy. (laughs) I am not kidding, guys. I looked down from my, I don't know what made me look away, but I checked just to, I don't know what I was doing, I looked, and my scope was clear. He was clear in the glass. But that That's barrel crazy. was, oh, dude, it's sticking right into that log. I'm like, oh, wow, that would have been bad. So then I'm like, I'm on my butt. I got my shooting stick in front of me. I'm trying to raise up a little bit and get my barrel above it. And I'm already sitting up pretty high. And I look, and that doe is just staring at me, locked on. And mm. I'm, we're 125 yards away, but that sun is beating right down on me. We're in all this orange, another color blind, but we're in all this orange and just moving around with this freaking log in front of me, and she's just staring at me. So I freeze. <laughs> and as I'm sitting there, it's like a, just a, a stare down now. And she takes two steps closer, kind of weaves her head. I'm like, I'm screwed. And as soon as, she, as soon as I know she's trying to pick me up, I'm like, oh, man, she actually does see me. She's not looking at a squirrel behind me or something, you know. And as I'm sitting there in a standoff, the buck walks off that ridge, 
down into a low spot in the bean field, completely out of sight. Mm. And where I was sitting the night before, he would have walked from a perfect spot to shoot him into a perfect spot to shoot him. It was it wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> but where I moved, he was out of sight in this little valley in between two high spots in the bean field. And this doe starts stomping her feet. And he's not in sight. And I'm thinking in my head, what did Ben just tell you about taking the damn shot when you had the chance? You know? <laughs> yeah. He just said that, like, earlier that day. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I had my chance. She's going to bust me. And he's gonna—he's not going to, like, run up on top of the hill and say, oh, look at me before I run away. He's going to be gone, you know? So I'm, right. I'm sitting there, and I'm just, my stomach is just, like, turning at this point. And I'm just, I'm, like, crushed. I'm like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. And I... I mean, you guys know me. I I want this. Like, the lust is, like, super strong, right? I want this so bad. (laughs) And and probably too bad. And I just, I want this to to happen. And I'm just sitting there, and that doe starts stomping her feet. And she's so far away, I can't hear her stomp, but I can see her. She goes right, left, and stares. Right, left, and stares. I'm just like, oh, my gosh get this over with already this is this is bad i'm just watching i'm watching that that second crest in the bean field waiting for him to come up towards me a little closer and show himself again and it's a countdown i think on my camera we were we were staring at each other for a couple minutes to say the least i'm just frozen Mm. just cussing myself out and Sitting there, she's just stopping. She doesn't blow yet, though. Oh, my gosh. And what do you know? I see a flash out in front of me. And all it was was a tine that crested that bean. So I go, there he is. And I turn, and I'm even higher into this log now. Like, the log rises up to my left where I was turning. So now I'm like, oh, my gosh. This could not get any worse. You know, I'm trying to sit up taller now and and he's aware that something is going on. He's looking at the doe a little bit because he has rack turning. That's all he can see is his rack. And then he takes two so steps your barrel's closer. still lining up with that log. Yeah. Yeah, this darn log that I set in front of me. <laughs> and like I'm and my, my shooting stick is one of those preset ones where you set the height before like when you sit down type thing. So that right. can only go so high. So my gun is on that, and I'm sitting up, and I'm trying to, like, put that on top of my boot. I'm trying to get my barrel to clear this darn branch. And that buck steps all the way up. Well, not all the way. He shows just his head down to his his neck, his throat patch. So, like, I don't know, 8, 10 inches of his neck. Pops his head up over the hill, and he's looking, looking around left and right. And it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I mean, this sun is just beaming down on his white rack, and he's just turning back and forth, flashing, you know? Nice. And I wish I could have enjoyed it more, but I was kind of staring at that doe about to freak out. So, like, I'm watching her. I'm watching him. I'm watching my barrel. I'm trying to get it up over the log. 
And finally, I look at my barrel. I'm like, you know what? I think the bullet will clear the log. The barrel is touching it, but but the bullet, you know, I'm I'm up high enough where the bullet should fly over it. And I, just, I couldn't get it up anymore. And uh, and I'm like, all right, I'm on him. The crosshairs are are on his neck. I've never shot a deer in the neck before, so that's going through my head. And, I, and then Ben in my head's going, if you get a chance to shoot him, and that's going through my head. And this doe's over there stomping her feet. So I'm just, I'm just oh, a fast She's still stomping. She stomped and stomped and stomped. Yeah. And what? And what's the buck's reaction? Is he trying to find out what she's stomping at? Is that what he's coming to look at, or is he doing his own thing? Well, he, no. So he fed down there, but then once she started stomping, when he crested the hill, he wasn't feeding anymore. He's looking. So he's looking to the okay. left at her, and then he's looking back towards me. But he didn't know where I was, so he's looking kind of to my left. Then he kind of turns and looks past me down to my right. He didn't know where I was at, and, and I knew that. But she right. did. She did not turn her head. She looked straight at me the entire time. And finally, I'm on him. I'm going to clear this branch, I think. And I studied in. I'm just waiting. I'm like, take two more steps, come up higher, let me see that shoulder, give me something. And what do you know? She goes, and blows. Finally. (laughs) And I go, oh crap, it's now or never. And I get on him, and he whips his head left to look at her. And as soon as he starts to turn his head back a tad, I pull the trigger. Boom! <laughs> and bark flies everywhere. Oh man, guys, I am not making this up. I shot the log. Oh my goodness! So all I see is smoke everywhere. Bark's and raining down. The bark flying. Oh yes, yeah, raining down, <laughs> falling from the sky. Oh my god! <laughs> and the doe's gone. And the buck's gone, and I'm sitting there, and the smoke is just hovering because it's no, there's no wind. So <laughs> I'm I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I I don't I you know I don't know I don't know, and so I get up on my knees, I rip through my pockets, I find my my little speed loader thing where I had two pellets and a bull and a a sabot or a sabo, and then I. Threw those in there, rammed them down. It's kind of tongue-in-cheek saying a uh, speed loader. It's kind of (laughs) tongue-in-cheek saying a speed loader for a muzzle loader, but go ahead. (laughs) You bring up a great point because that deer could have been a quarter mile away by the time I got that thing loaded. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. It's not like a bolt action and been right back on him. So I I throw it in there, and I I zoom the camera back out, and I, I haven't even watched it yet, but... Something to the fact of, oh, my gosh, I don't know what just happened. I shot the tree, and I got to see if I hit the buck. And I run across the field halfway there. So I run 50 yards. Got a bunch of layers on my muzzle loader. And I stop, cock the hammer, and I start to creep up over the hill, up over the hill, up over the hill. Nothing, 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 nothing. Look over to see down to the valley, and I see his 
behind. And then I see his rack. And he's just laying there, stone cold dead. He had wow. he had spun all the way around somehow. Um, he was facing me when I shot, and he was turned all the way around the other way, laying there. So I don't know if when I shot, he was literally turning his body and running, or I don't think the muzzle loader would have like knocked him around. Maybe. Um, Possible. Or maybe he just fell downhill and. I don't know, but as soon as I saw him laying there, I just, like, pretty much sank to my knees. Just like, oh, my gosh, you know, just <laughs> what a what a cluster. I mean, thanking God, thanking God, thanking God, cluster, cluster, cluster. You know, it's just an emotional wreck. Wow. And then, like, so I, I'm, like, arms in the air, you know, and then he, like, kicks his feet twice, and I'm like, whoa, and I rip my gun back out of the air. Rip my other hand down, I'm on him. Like, you're not going anywhere, you know? And I, uh... <laughs> so then I realized it was just some nerves or something, and I had... I went around, I, I looked at him, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. He's beautiful, you know? He's got all these points and this mass, and, like, nothing I'd ever shot, and he's just done. Nice, nice buck. I couldn't believe it, so... I ended up... Just watching him for a couple minutes, making excuse me, making sure he wasn't going anywhere, and then I, I, I actually set my gun down and drug him back on top of the hill to where I could watch him from my 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 blind, if you will, because um, I wasn't gonna let him, you know, get up and run away, like that was even possible. But my mind was going so bonkers right then. <laughs> um, so I, I I laid him I laid him there and and uh, tagged him up and then ran back over to my spot and sat down and just you know thank God enjoyed myself for the next hour because my buddy was still hunting you know 400 yards away so we started texting back and forth I texted you guys texted you know my wife and dad and brother and all that stuff and just sat there and watched him laying in the field for the next hour. It was it was amazing. <laughs> did you wow. get a chance to uh, take a look at the log, and did you determine what happened with that shot? You know, I never looked at the log. Oh man, that's a great question, too, Brian. It's still sitting there. Yeah, it'd be interesting still to see. There. Be interesting to see what uh, part of that caught. It could have just been the concussion too that made the bark shoot up like that, but. Obviously, didn't hit it with the bullet too much. Right. No, you're right. Because if I would have hit it with a bullet, it would have done something to the accuracy. Um, right. And I mean, I I drilled him. I didn't miss. And I <laughs> muzzle loaders can be tough. And and I I'm lucky enough where I have a one that shoots fairly well. But I've never aimed yeah. at something that small that far away. It was about a hundred yards when I shot him. And, That's uh, a poke. Yeah. Wow. Well, that coupled with Michigan boy buck fever, coupled with the doe staring at you, coupled with you've been sitting there all weekend freezing your butt off, you know, I think you're going home empty-handed, all this stuff, man. And then it just comes together just like that. 
Yep, it changes in a second. Yep. Yeah, you never know. You never know when your season can change. I mean, I've I've hunted a lot harder than I thought I was going to this year with my little baby boy. I was able to get out a lot more than I, you know, probably should have. Uh, my wife was very helpful and and, and great, uh, you know, happy to let me do that, or maybe unhappy to let me do that, depending on when you ask her. But I was just uh, that that stress is gone now. It's awesome. I'm uh, I'm just super lucky, guys. I'm super lucky. I mean, I should have shot him when he came out in the shoulder. I shouldn't have messed up on the opportunity then. Should have been game over then, and I got a second chance. I don't know. It's crazy. So do you think that, uh, I mean, it sounds to me like a lot of the success was, you know, pretty much because you're hunting late-season food sources. Um, I mean, I've never hunted uh, Illinois. I've spent quite a bit of time there and, on, on business and, and driven through southern Illinois and northern Illinois and, and stuff. And it's definitely, I mean, it's a heck of a lot different than, than southern Ohio deer hunting. I mean, you can see, like you said, you can 100 or 200 or, heck, I think sometimes a 1,000-acre field. So you can see a long ways. I mean, do you think that played into – you know, this, or maybe not even just yours, but just the success rate of that outfitter in general um, because they're able to kind of pinpoint where the deer are exactly entering the field at um, and things like that. Do you think that's a big reason for success? Or, like, what do you think plays a role in that, uh, at least in that region? Yeah, uh, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Al. Um, I mean, they were all all hitting the fields in the evening, you know, late afternoon, and right at dark to, you know, just sock up the, the feed bag for the, the cold night and the cold morning. And then it's almost like they didn't even do much in the morning. I don't know if that's because they were already back to bed or if because they didn't want to lose any of that energy. Um, it, it was it was freezing, guys. I've never hunted that cold. and But it's the same thing here right now in Michigan. I mean, they're, they're on the evening evening food. And, uh, and my, my property is very nocturnal still from gun season. But some, I, I attribute sure. the, the situation where I was at for, for being on the, the late season food 100%, Al, with that, you know, the, the habitat choice. You could have been in the middle of the woods somewhere, and maybe I would have seen that buck walk by 30 minutes earlier. I don't know. But it was more, it was a better chance that, there was going to be a buck in the beans at some point than picking a random draw. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. When you're like, can I ask you a habitat question? Cause I'm just curious. Of course. Um, so when you're there and, and you're in big ag country, but you've essentially, I mean, you said that the one combine wasn't probably as efficient as it should have been. But still, I mean, removing that variable, I mean, when, when crops are cut, uh, eventually, especially with the numbers of deer that you guys were seeing in the evenings, I mean, it's a large number of deer. Did you ever sit there while you had some time to think and you were freezing and think like, well, gosh, you know, how can this habitat maintain this high of a number of deer? I mean, did you notice a browse line in the woods? I mean, it, did there seem – or does there seem like there's a pretty um, – 
healthy understory in a lot of those river bottoms and draws. I guess, like, when I'm watching television, guys hunting southern Illinois, or, you know, Pike County, Illinois is one you always hear, or uh, um, in a- different areas of Iowa, I always wondered that myself because it seems like a lot of those big river bottoms are, like, big, mature, you know, oaks and, and things like that, and there are probably some poplars and stuff along these, these river bottoms, and then, you know, they come up on them to the top of the ridges, and that's basically all commercial ag. And I'm always like, well, I'm sure that those deer can sustain themselves for some period of time um, on that, you know, leftover grain. But uh, at some point, I mean, we're only in December. I mean, we're not even right. at Christmas yet. you got a long time of freezing in the Midwest before you even start talking about serious green up. So did you feel like the native browse was, was hammered um, or, or woody browse, excuse me, was like hammered pretty good or, or did they talk about doing any cutting and stuff to help maintain that the level of deer that you guys were seeing? No, that's a good question. I do not think that the understory was probably where it could be um, or they had, had it all browsed back. Uh, a lot of the timber was mature. On this farm, though, it had been logged at one point because there, there were tops lying on the ground that were visible and there were stumps. Hmm. Um, but to your point, these deer are already feeding on the leftover grain that is getting closer to the road, right? So all the stuff way back in the, the end of the bean field in the timber that they browse at first, as the winter goes on, you see it more up towards the road, apparently, because they haven't hit that part of the field yet. Well, at the rate they were going, I mean, yeah, I would think you're going to have an issue come February, you know, yeah. and, and I don't think there was – we didn't go too deep into the timber. Part of this guy's deal was low pressure, which is kind of why I selected him in the first place. Oh, yeah, um, so I didn't get a real good look at what it looks like way back in the bottoms, but a lot of the the understory that I saw was only at, like, the field edge, which is from where the sunlight hits it. So I don't know. I think it could have used some more some more timber work. I'm just not sure how much of that these guys do down there. Um, there's just so much ag. It's like well, I, they, I know they can they do food plots it. and stuff, but there's just there's so much. I wonder, too, about that. I mean, just because, you know, maybe there's just so much spilled grain that maybe certain fields go as it becomes somewhat of a quote-unquote desert, right, as, as far as deer nutrition goes. But they can move, you know, half a mile down and there's another huge field. You know, so I, I just am always curious about that because I've driven through a lot of areas, and even in, in northern parts of Ohio that are much more heavy, or western Ohio that are much more heavy, um, Ag focus, yeah. yep. but but the the overall deer population is, is significantly lower in those areas typically, um, at least in Ohio. Uh, and and what I've but I've seen times where I'm driving and it looks like somebody <clears throat> trimmed the wood line, you know, like oh, yeah. like you yep. have a yard and you, yep. like yep. a tree in your yard trimmed. And I'm always just then my mind starts turning like, well, gosh, if they've already trimmed that, how can they survive through the winter? And I've you know Illinois and Iowa and stuff. You hear guys hunting out there, and they're like, oh, we saw 38 does in one night. I'm like, yeah, that's a lot of deer. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a heck of a lot of deer. So uh, sorry to, to kind of get on derail us, but I just wanted to – No, you're not at all. That. No, and a lot of that, that browse line stuff, I've seen that on a property I turkey hunted this spring in Michigan where 
If you were 10 feet tall, you could not see through the woods. But if you're 5 foot or shorter, you can see all the way through the woods. Right. And that's that browse line you're talking about. And a lot of the time, it's because cattle are able to to graze these woods. Um, when they're not able to graze the woods and you still have that, that sight line, you have some either some deer, some very high deer uh, densities, or you have, like you said, uh, you need some more TSI work done, some understory, some understory work, some sunlight on the on the floor. Um, and no, I don't think yeah, I'm derailing yeah. at all. I want to cover, you know, why why we think I shot this buck, why we think you had an, an opportunity, um, and almost shot a even bigger buck on the same night. Um, you know, Brian, what are your thoughts? I was just uh, trying to figure out what the setup was for the mornings because a lot of times this time of year when it's so cold, those deer are bedding so close to those food sources. When you said you were hunting timber in the mornings, was that pretty far away from those field sets, the evening sets? Um, They were. They were not very far away from a field edge, so I don't think we were very far into the timber. But he kept it away from the specific draws that we were hunting in the evening. So, okay, I, that that was, was what I was thinking because I noticed on my food sources on my Ohio farm, especially the does, they'll walk in two feet into the wood line. Now, of course, my timber's a lot thicker than what you're talking about. The, the north part of my property mm-hmm. is uh, a, re- a real heavy thicket. Oh, and amazing. when I have standing beans, and uh, when I have standing beans and corn there, those doe will walk in five feet. You'll see doe beds everywhere, and they'll lay there all day. Come out in the evening, eat, go right back in there. And if you tried to get anywhere near that in the mornings, you'd never see a deer. No, you're uh, you're exactly right, and that's probably why he kept us away from that spot um the first two mornings we i actually sat the same field and sort of gary um the morning the last morning so i think maybe it was a hail mary type situation there right but, but to your point yeah we were not going very far into the timber near where we were hunting them in the evenings nope smart yeah that the property down there just i mean i'm in love with Illinois now. I, I hunted Nebraska in 2013, and it was my first time with the the big ag, the ditches and the draws. And I'm I don't realize how much I missed that. This is exactly like that. I mean, it was so cool. The deer in the draws, and you know, there's thousands of acres of fields, and you just get in the cover. Um, right. It was very cool to see, and just uh, great property. Very great property. I'm so curious. this is something that the uh, outfitter leases, or is, does he own the property, or how, how does that work? Yeah, he's he's leased it um, from this person for, I think, 18 years now. Wow. Okay. Yeah, apparently they've wow. killed um, six 200-inch deer in 18 years on the, the many farms that they kind of bounce around through. Um, That's amazing. Well, there's a guy in camp wow. there who shot a 162. Uh, November, what day? I don't remember the day he said. He's been there 11 years in a row. And he was there again when I was there on his second buck tag. 
Normally he tags out in two bucks every year. He's he's very very hardcore. Um, but they're showing me trail cam pictures of things in the past and this and that. It's just a different ball game, man, than than what I'm dealing with up here. It's just a different different ball game. Very cool. Sure. Very cool. <clears throat> I envy those Jared, guys out there. Jared, did they talk at all about um, like doe harvest and and like do they set quotas? Do they harvest does? I mean, I know some areas throughout this throughout the Whitetails Range, there's certain certain pockets of folks that uh, Pennsylvania for many many years. I know Brian, you and I've shared stories with my grandfather and, and dad being from PA, where there's a lot of years where no yeah. one shot does. You know, sure. um, and obviously a lot of that's changed, but um, on a property like that where you're seeing such large numbers of deers, deer, uh, especially in the evening, did they talk at all about, like, what their harvest goals are for for shooting does on uh, on that lease, or do they not shoot them? Yeah, they, they don't shoot them. Um, wow. He had said that a lot of the neighbors around there will will take care of a lot of does, and then... His whole point is kind of similar to my whole point on my 15 acres, which is hardly comparable, but it was kind of funny, the, the similarity. Uh, you know, keep the does around, and you know what follows. Well, it's pretty simple. Um, True. And when, when when we said we were going to shoot a doe the last night to, to get my buddy Gary some meat, he was, uh, he was, you kind of tell, he kind of wasn't that comfortable with it. Um, he, he told us to shoot whatever we want, and he told me, after I shot my buck, you know, go ahead and fill your doe tag if you want. Very nice and accommodating guy. But you could tell he's like, I'd rather have you shoot a small eight point, get the eight points out of here. I'm like, what? Huh. You know? <laughs> Just totally different yeah. ball game. Um, sure. And, and Al, there's so many does that, yeah, you could have taken a few, no doubt. No doubt. Wow. Yeah, that's, fast. that's fascinating. I mean, one of the things I think I've texted back and forth with you guys about and, and that I've dealt with on, on basically any farm I've owned and or hunted um, in, in my life is, has been trying to determine, you know, the number of, of, of deer around and does around in particular, um, whether it's through camera surveys and stuff. And I'm kind of like that myself. You know, I've, I've always kind of bought into, um, you know, QDM. I think they do some amazing things. I, I don't think that you need to have a million and a half does around. I think that you can have a better rut cycle and all this stuff when your numbers, I don't necessarily bind exactly one-to-one ratio when your numbers are a little bit healthier. Buck has to search a little bit for a doe. Yeah, that all uh, makes sense. Things right, like yep. that. You know, that all makes right. a lot of sense. I think available food, um, I think big does can be extremely dominant, um, and they can keep, keep uh, even keep uh, an older right. buck yep. potentially kind of, kind of away, you know, as they, as they age and stuff like that. And, you know, you've seen big does. They can be pretty tough, tough critters for sure. Um, you know, but it, it, it's just in those areas where you can see, I'm, I'm going to say, you know, 500-acre field at a time, and you can say, well, we got, you know, 70 deer in this field or, like, you know, 100-acre field, and we got 38 does and 10 bucks in that field. It would be so easy. You know, in southern Ohio and, and in a lot of areas where you might only have – visibility for 100 yards it's very difficult you're like oh i saw six does today you know it's so difficult to actually judge the number of, of deer which for me has always made it a little bit harder 
because you're thinking, well, is that the only six does around that are just running around in front of cameras and right. going back and forth? Right. You know, you kind of your mind can start to ask these different questions. Now, through years and years and years of doing this and making observations and exclusion fences and stuff, you know that's not the case. And I tend to side on that. There's probably more deer around than what I'm giving credit for. Right. Um, but just interesting to me that I, I was wondering what the, the culture was. Maybe that's just him, but uh, the culture in general there, if it, I'm curious if it's uh, kind of they don't shoot as many does as, as maybe some other areas. But they produce a heck of a lot of big bucks, so you can't really argue with it. Definitely food for thought there. Yeah, and right. and one thing I wanted to, to finish the story out with was, you know, a, a lot of the, the local farmers will shoot whatever deer. You know, not everybody holds out for a big buck, which is perfectly fine. Um, they'll shoot does. Uh, there's unlimited doe tags due to, I believe, some CWD-type issues. I don't want to get <laughs> that wrong, but I, I want to say... They they've been having some scares up near Wisconsin where their where the border is, etc. But there's unlimited doe tags, and then when I, I had to go to the taxidermist the next morning uh, on Monday morning when we left because I didn't dare try to tape the skull myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a few yeah. I had a few BLs in me after I shot that buck, and then we. We, you know, after I deboned the whole deer within like, you know, a half hour, getting it ready to take home the next morning, got to debone the whole thing. So, and then I'm like, I text my taxidermist, make sure I'm legal and what I need to do. And I kind of knew, but I wanted her to tell me as well. She's like, oh yeah, keep it off the skull. I'm like, crap. So, anywho, we, we made it to the taxidermist the next morning uh, and he did it for me for real cheap, but the amount of bucks and the size of the bucks in that place were were just unbelievable. Um, there was one that had just been brought in that the bases on it were the size of my ankles. And, uh, yeah. Uh, but he just, he caped it off the skull. We treated the, the skull. We cleaned all the brain matter out. We got that all done. We got the cape. We put that in a nice bag, and uh, we were legal to come home, you know, so that was nice uh, Nice to do that. It would have taken me, like, three hours to do that. He did it in, like, 20 minutes, so that's pretty cool. Um, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yep. So other than that, uh, the only other things I wanted to, to touch on was just, you know, you guys going out this weekend, Al, you're one of them, you know, uh, mornings, they have been slow from what I've been told. I know Randy Vanderveen, the guy we had on a couple episodes ago, he doesn't he doesn't even hunt a morning hunt in Michigan after uh, gun season's done. So because of that late season food pattern, um, I would expect your mornings maybe to be a little slower, but you can't. You can't shoot a buck if you're sleeping either, so keep that in mind. Um, yeah, I think if you've got the bigger property, like what you were hunting in Illinois, you could get away with hunting some different areas in the mornings yeah. and not bouldering up your evening spots, but, you know, we're, we're not going to do I mean, Al might be able to do that. He's got a larger property than us, but it'd be tough on the smaller chunks. Yep, you're right. And, uh, you know, just, just keeping the low pressure – Thing I think that kind of goes goes all season long, uh, at least where I hunt, to try to keep that low pressure down. Um, 
And we're just, you know, I'm just waiting on some really cold weather here in Michigan to get these deer back out of the nocturnal stage. They're they're still hiding. So, you know, Al, yeah. what, what are you going to focus on, Al, this weekend when you go out? And what do you think somebody else? Well, I, I, to be honest, to be honest, right now I haven't made up my mind. Um, just because of the weather fronts that are coming through Ohio, I mean, the whole state is pretty much going to be in rain from Friday to Sunday. Um, okay. So. The, the bonus, as they call it, uh, or as we call it, I guess, uh, the bonus gun season um, for the state of Ohio, I think, is going to be uh, low harvest um, because of the weather patterns. Um, I tend to be extremely caught. I mean, really, I, I think that's one of my goals next year is to be a little bit more aggressive um, in, in a lot of different areas that I hunt. But uh, I'm extremely cautious, especially in mornings. I mean, you can't – even I, I know know my farm like the back of my hand, but uh, to sneak in and not bump deer, um, it's it's difficult. It's, it's, it's difficult to do, you know, unlock a gate in the morning and to get into a place. I mean, it's just – it's different, so difficult. So I really tend to hunt a lot of perimeter stands in the mornings. Um, you know, I've had big deer by those stands in, in morning conditions, um, so it's not like it couldn't happen. Um, but I really try to play the wind, and I end up hunting over, you know, one of the, the different, uh, a lot of times it's kind of between a food plot and, a, and maybe a bedding area or something, but something I can get into off of the road within, I don't know, 100 yards, you know. I don't go real far into the timber um, really ever on, on my property. Um, that'll probably be the case for this weekend. Um, if it's pouring rain, I'll probably be in that box blind, <laughs> uh, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, I am uh, not against shooting does um, this weekend. We've, we've killed one doe so far um, off the farm. Off, you know, it's 230 acres, and we've killed one doe, um, and the food plots are mowed, I mean, totally down. Um, and that's a lot of clover and trickery in their mode. I mean, lip high off the ground. Um, so there's definitely a lot of deer around. I think the one camera from Monday to Wednesday gun season took 450 pictures of deer. I mean, in three days. Wow. So it's, it's not, yeah, I mean, it's not like there's no deer around. It's just continuous deer um, on there. So I might sit in that box blind and just kind of enjoy the scenery if it's pouring rain and, and shoot some does. But, uh, Definitely the goal is is food. Um, I don't expect deer to have a ton, even with a warm-up. Um, it's been a pretty cold cold fall for us, so I still think deer are going to hit the food. I don't think that they're going to be, um, you know, finding a bunch of woody brows and things like that at this time in the woods. Um, I mean, I guess they always will seek out natural, you know, woody brows and things like that. Uh, but I still think that they're going to come to green food sources. Uh, with my stuff, some a lot of my stuff being in clover, um, I think with a little warm-up, actually, it might even help a little bit to, to draw deer into clover. So that's kind of my plan. I mean, play the wind, obviously. Um, try to be, you know, anytime guys have guns, um, I try to keep my pressure even a little bit lower than, than usual um, just because there's more guys in the woods, you know. So... I'm not a huge uh, fan of pushing into the timber and, and pushing a great three-and-a-half-year-old across property line and have him get shot. So uh, I will most likely try to hunt really low pressure 
um, and just try to enjoy myself pretty much gun hunting with or bow hunting with a with a gun, you know, and and uh, see see what happens. So that's kind of my thought. I mean, that'll be my plan, really, Jared and, and Brian, for the rest of the year. I mean, it's going to be to hunt uh, hunt food. I mean, we're we're in the same boat, Jared. I think we are, are hoping both for some real cold temperatures. Um, there's no doubt about it. One of my best buddies shot a stud of a deer on the day before Christmas, Christmas Eve, which is uh, December 23rd one year. You know, he had like six inches of snow, and it was really cold. And um, I remember he was like, yeah, I opened the barn door, and it was snowing. And he was like, I got to go hunt. It was like 2 in the afternoon. He's like, I was rushing. I was going to be late. He's like, I got up into my stand at 4.30. This big buck walked by, and he killed it. And uh, he's just a stud, like 150-some-inch deer. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, and I think that's kind of a, you know, a short story to say, you know, you got to just kind of get out there late season. It sucks because it's cold, but uh, I love it. I can't wait to, to get get up either with a bow or, or a gun. So I'll be hunting a lot of food sources. And I'll be hunting a lot still. I'm not giving up until they make me. Get after it, buddy. Get after it. Yeah. Brian, what do you think? What do you? Any other tips and tricks for uh, somebody putting a game plan together this weekend? Yeah, send me a uh, enclosed blind that I can put up. <laughs> 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 no, I'm on the same boat as Al. Uh, I don't know how many guys follow uh, the juries and their their phases, but we're getting into the uh, phase 12, I think, is where they're at. And uh, just like Al said, focus on food. Um, you'll see some of those does that weren't bred in mid-November come back in the heat. You might yes, catch a little bit of uh, yep. running activity. Um, yeah, focus on afternoons. That's that's going to be my plan. I, I've got standing beans and corn and uh, brassicas and I've got a feeder out that I don't hunt over, and I don't put food in it. And the reason I don't is because I got a bear on camera, which was unusual for Northeast Ohio. I mean, there's a few that run through, but I'll fill that up probably uh, after Christmas just to keep something there if the deer needed to get through the last couple months. But, uh, yeah, that's my plan. Try to get as close to my standing uh, crops as I can without spooking anything in the timber. Awesome, guys. Well, I want to thank you both for coming on, keeping me company tonight. I appreciate it. Yeah, it was fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. I had a lot of fun. I think I could talk for like six, six, seven more hours. But uh, <laughs> uh, it's always always fun talking to you with you guys. I mean, I enjoy it a lot. And uh, thanks for having, having me on, Jared. No problem. And, Brian, thanks a lot again, brother. And we will catch up with you guys. Good luck this weekend. All right, guys. I was waiting to do that game plan episode, and it's finally in the books. I was lucky enough to harvest a nice buck. And, Brian, thank you so much for coming on, buddy. And and thanks, Al, as well, for uh, joining and storytelling tonight. Love chatting with you guys. Um, I want to thank the listeners. Most importantly, you guys, uh, the feedback you give us is awesome. Keeps us going. Keeps us hunting harder. You know, we're trying to to prove out some of these ideas we talk about and, and recommend and and it's great to have the feedback from you guys and the support so thanks so much for listening as well um, and I thank our sponsors Lincoln Roan at Packer Max he just called me the other day he shipped out a 
uh, standard unit to someone who heard about it from the podcast. That was pretty badass. So thank you guys for uh, getting those for Christmas presents. Uh, thank you, Nick Nation at the Habitat Hook. I don't know if you guys saw my Facebook post. He is shipping out um, Habitat Hooks by the truckload. I mean, uh, like... Man, he had those things stacked. Yeah, didn't he? And I'm not talking like 53-foot <laughs> truckload. It, it's a 6-foot or 8-foot bed truckload, but still. He, uh... Right. I didn't realize how many of those he sells a year. He sells a good amount of those. Um, I bet. That's that's pretty cool. So check Nick Nation out, uh, the Habitat Hook, and then lastly, Killer Food Plots. Uh, Brian and I have been chatting about what we're going to plant this spring. Uh, we're going to put lots of Nick's seed in the ground, figure out what we want to plant. Um, Brian has a lot more ground to cover than I do, but it's still... It's still good to have a high-quality seed, and uh, we're going to meet with Nick at the ATA show and strategize some more on uh, what we want to do in uh, 2019. So check out KillerFoodPlus.com, another one of our great sponsors. Uh, Brian, you want to tell us about the giveaway we got going on for the YouTube? Yeah. If you guys get over and uh, like our Facebook page and subscribe on our YouTube channel, we're going to get you entered to win a copy of Stephen Ranella's the Meat Eater Cookbook. It's getting pretty hard to come by. Uh, completely sold out online, and you can pre-order and, and get it eventually. I know some guys have been having some luck getting an order in, but it might be another month or two. But we're going to be giving one away here, so make sure you want to go over there and get signed up. Uh, the reason we're going to have you like the Facebook page is because it's it's pretty difficult to find the uh, subscriber list on YouTube because most people have that set to private. So make sure you like the Facebook page, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and we're going to give you one of those away. And that book, the Meat Eater Fishing Game Cookbook, Recipes and Techniques for Every Hunter and Angler, is like three to 400 pages. How to, how to, um, I can't think of the word here, how to take apart game. Help me here, Brian. Breakdown game. I can't think of the word. And uh, yeah, field dressing. Field dressing. There you go. Table. Yep, exactly. And what I also heard was that is one of the top five books on Am- on all of Amazon right now. Um, it sure is. That's pretty insane. And Brian's got one. We're gonna give it away, guys. So hit us up on Facebook. Hit like, and then head over to YouTube and subscribe there. And you will be entered in to win a copy of that book. Lastly, thanks so much for listening to us. You can find us at habitatpodcast.com. You can download the episodes right from the website itself. Uh, A lot of people also go to the Apple Podcast app, the Spotify app, the Stitcher app. Um, There's a few other different places like iHeartRadio and Google Play where you can find the podcast. And then be sure to check us out on Facebook. Give us a like and follow us on Instagram. Um, putting a lot more uh, stuff on Instagram. You know, it's it's kind of the norm to just post away on there. So we're trying to blow you guys up on Facebook too bad. But Instagram is flying high. So check it out over there. And we will be back soon. Thanks again for listening as we become better Habitat Managers.
I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. For even more content, be sure to watch the original films from HuntStand Presents on the Waypoint TV channel every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Visit waypointtv.com to learn more.